Bet365 sponsors the Red Agenda and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sports. Bet365 offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or any time goal scorers. And with over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365's match Match Live feature. You can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365, it's the world's favourite online sport betting company and the app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store, over 18s only. And please gamble responsibly. Jordan, you're a great professional. Tell me you're going to get absolutely rotten tonight, like me. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, Come on, John, go for it, lad. Enjoy yourself. Cheers, hey! Cheers. Well, what a week for Liverpool Football Club. Two significant signings that add a significant layer of quality to the squad and they've started the Premier League season displaying all the signs of a team that are hungry for more success we certainly hope so so let's touch base with your two Liverpool correspondents at the Athletic James Pearce and Simon Hughes welcome guys Hi Steve Hello Steve Right let's crack on <laughs> let's begin with the new faces uh, at the football club what a, what a statement Simon over the past week bringing in uh, Thiago Alcantara and Thiago uh, Jota and very much under the radar as well I don't think we were all caught a little bit by surprise well, yeah, certainly with Jota. I mean, his his name wasn't linked at all with Liverpool throughout the summer until maybe 24 hours before he signed. Um, Thiago, slightly different, of course. I mean, the conversation with him started um, quite a while ago now. And I mean, I, I was always sort of pretty confident that, that, that he got that deal over the line, but it was just obviously the concern around the impact of COVID and everything else and whether, whether Liverpool would, would make that... Uh, we'll get the deal that they want, and, and, and quite clearly they have. I mean, they've been very, very clever in the structure of the deal, and um, you know they've got a world-class player who will elevate not just the team but the whole squad and and, and help help evolve the squad on a you know bit of a knockdown fee really. Jota is a, is a slightly different situation. You know, they're obviously in the, in the long term going to be paying you know quite a lot of money for for him, but in the short term, you know, it's a deal again works for Liverpool because you know they're not having to to spend a lot of money this year in a year where potentially, obviously, uh, you know, the revenues are, well, not potentially, but the, the revenues aren't going to be as high at the club. So, I mean, I, I've I, I really like Jota. I mean, uh, he's, he's sort of one of those players who. Whenever you watch me, he does always seem to have an impact on the game, whether he, whether it's a goal or an assist or or doing something further back the pitch, which which starts off a move that that, that leads to something happening. Um, I, I've I've liked him for quite a long time, and it's a, another one of those sort of slightly left fieldish signings that you wouldn't automatically say yes for Liverpool, but I think he he will prove to be a very astute buy, similar to Sadio Mane in some ways. I mean, he's got a little bit of spike about him and player who, who sort of doesn't doesn't mind sort of the confrontational side of the game um, so I think he'll, he'll really suit what Liverpool needs at the moment because I think the forwards as, as obviously brilliantly as they've been playing the last couple of couple of days it's always good to have that that, that, that sort of character who's pushing them further and, and potentially could take take one of the places so been a brilliant week for Liverpool it's um, I think you know people were obviously a bit concerned about whether where, where Liverpool are in terms of the favourites for the title but, but for me you know I just think it puts them right right out on top again Well Thiago without a shadow of a doubt is is the dream signing for the fans and I think a lot were getting to the point where they were wondering whether it would happen it did and, and some of his quotes when you know when he spoke to the club media I think says a lot about the man so here's what I think the club describes what I am when you win you want to win more I want to achieve all of the goals um, it's clear his mentality and his talent makes him sort of the perfect fit for Liverpool James he's a serial winner isn't he when you his CV is absolutely ridiculous when you, you know he, he was schooled in you know Barcelona's famous academy um, you know what a start he had there you know one one big trophies with Barcelona and then you know seven years at Bayern of, of absolute 
dominance. Um, and you know, it's it's no great surprise, I think, in the end that the Liverpool did break from the the tradition of the of the kind of the uh, the transfer policy that's put them where they are. Because um, you know, I think he's the first player over the age of twenty six. Liverpool have. have paid any kind of fee for since Ragnar Klavan um, and when you think that he was very much you know a stopgap signing um, you know it's it's not really the Liverpool way under FSG to to pay 20-25 million for for a 29 year old but you know I think with with Thiago you make an exception because he is such an absolute elite performer and um, you know it was it was crazy to see just how quickly he slotted in having been introduced into that second half at Stamford Bridge on Sunday because, you know, I know obviously with Chelsea down to 10 men, it was, you know, nice circumstances for him to him to get a taste of it. But, you know, he just absolutely used class. And I think we, we got a tantalising glimpse in that second half of how he'll give this Liverpool midfield a, a new dimension. Well, he's barely had any training sessions with the squad and already he looked up to speed. And the the stats that went around this game, he made 75 passes against Chelsea. That's more than any Chelsea player did in 90 minutes. Of course, he was on for just half the game. A lot of it was all just one-touch stuff as well. It looked very easy to him, James. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you know. I, I think what struck me was he he just doesn't play the easy pass, does he? I think um, you know, he's he's so progressive with the way that he plays. There was one in particular where I, I think you know you'd have expected a Liverpool midfielder to to play it sideways to Trent, and he just pinged one into to Mo Salah's feet, and and suddenly from a a position where it looked like it was going to be a slow build up, suddenly Liverpool have taken two, three, four Chelsea players out of the game and a are on the attack again so um yeah i think it just it just whetted your appetite didn't it for what what um he could go on to uh, to achieve at liverpool i think you you can see how much it means to him to to be at the club and i don't think even Klopp when he did his press briefing on friday before the announcement i think uh, his beaming smile spoke volumes because um you know he had long since admired tiago um you know I, we knew that tiago from from when that first chat with his representatives happened in june that his heart was set on coming to liverpool which i think says a lot about the club's you know, status now worldwide and certainly the pulling power of Jurgen Klopp, um, you know, the big thing for Liverpool was just could they work it, make it work financially in this climate? And I think if if anything, the, the delay and, and how it dragged on actually strengthened their hand because ultimately Bayern didn't want it overshadowing the start of the, the Bundesliga uh, season. Um, and, yeah, when you, when you look at the numbers involved, you know, only £20 million guaranteed, um, and then the rest in add-ons, you know, a payment structure spread out over four years, so only five million pound as an initial down payment. Um, it's it's a ridiculously good deal for Liverpool when you when you consider the the calibre of the, of the player they've brought in. Certainly looks it on paper, doesn't it? So, si, it's you know when you refresh the side, is is it almost a case of you keeping op- opposition teams guessing with what you're going to do and the options that actually Thiago is going to give Liverpool did Liverpool become almost a little bit more unpredictable now definitely I think so I mean the concern for me having watched Liverpool you know after football returned in 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 June was that you know I've mentioned it many times but but opponents are able to sort of sit back a bit more I mean Chelsea did it Chelsea did it on on Sunday you know they did Ultra defensive, almost cowardly performance, really, in some ways, just desperately hoping that, that Leeds can sort of punish Liverpool on the break. I mean, I, I can't imagine that Frank Lampard would have ever tried that in front of a full house at Stamford Bridge. I, I just I just don't believe it. So, I mean, obviously, you know, Liverpool um, had the one man advantage. And I think, <laughs> I think when you've got a man advantage and you've got somebody like Thiago who can pass the ball forever, you know, it's, it's going to be a very, very hard game for Chelsea but um, I, th- I think you know in, in normal circumstances where you know it's 11 against 11 I think what he does is is just ensure that the Liverpool have a slightly change in, in tempo in the way that they play um, and a, a different range of passing as well I mean it, it was interesting watching Jordan Henderson's first half performance because I thought he was excellent you know and I, I know people sort of highlighted the pass that he made for, for the sending off which was just you know 
early contender for pass of the season. I think Jamie Carragher called it and he, he's right. You know, totally uh, changed the dynamic of the game, that pass and, and gave, you know, the opportunity for Mane to, 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 to almost get, to almost score, of course. But I think um, what Thiago does is just allow Liverpool to maybe switch formations sometime. You know, they tried it a few times in pre-season, the 4-2-3-1. Um, you know, I can imagine that happening on, on occasion. I mean, the end club alluded to that for the the start of the the start of the game, I noticed um, when he was doing his pre-match interview. So, yeah, it, I, I think he's a different sort of midfielder to, to, to compared to what they've they've already got. Um, um, yeah, I think it's going to be very hard to sort of get the ball off Liverpool now. I think Liverpool are a team which is obviously very powerful, very direct, very quick. I think now it's it's the evolution of this team. I think he's exactly what. What would Liverpool would have needed in any circumstance, really? Um, and of course, you know, we, we saw Fabinho drop back, and I, th- I think that having him there means you've got another sort of player who's very comfortable on the ball at the back, who who knows and thinks like a midfielder. So, I think it just uh, it's just so exciting. I mean, uh, watching that Liverpool second half performance, I mean, it, it, really, if he'd uh, been in full flight, you know, it would have been an absolute demolition. I think of Chelsea, um, but yeah, he, great debut, and uh, I think you know all all positive on the Liverpool front at the moment because uh, they're going to be the team to beat again. On the midfield situation, we talked about this quite a lot on the Red Agenda, James. We, we've often speculated at the fact you, to bring one in, you'd have to get rid of one because of the financial situation with the club. But there doesn't seem any sign that Genie Wijnaldum is heading anywhere at present. He seems very settled. He's playing a lot of minutes in the opening few games um, for Liverpool. There's no indication, is there, from the club that actually that's a situation that's going to change before the window shuts? No, no, no. I th- and, I, and I think... The fact that he's been picked to play those opening two league games, I think, speaks volumes about you know the the club clearly hasn't got any any doubts whatsoever about his his immediate commitment to the cause in terms of of this coming season. I think re- rewind a few weeks, and and the club stance was very much that they would only proceed with the Thiago deal if another centre midfielder was to leave and and you know and I think you know clearly they ex- they were braced for a bid from Barcelona for Wijnaldum um you know it was well documented that that Koeman is a is a massive fan of his but that bid wasn't forthcoming and then the the discussions that Klopp had with Wijnaldum after he came back from international duty were were very positive um you know my information is that you know, there's still no sign of him suddenly, you know, going to be putting pen to paper on a on a new contract. I think, um, you know, I'm sure Liverpool will have another try at trying to do that. But um, you know, the the word at the moment is that that even if that doesn't happen, he will stay for the the rest of this season. And um, in the end, I think, you know, quite sensibly, Liverpool because of the deal they could do with Bayern decided well, you know, in actual fact, it's 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 too good a deal not to do, regardless of whether another centre midfielder moves on and you know there's there will be other there's no doubt now that they've made those two big signings the the focus will shift to, to outgoings I think you know in that midfield department clearly Marco Gruwich will move on um, you know, there's interest in him from Borussia Mönchengladbach um, but I'd, I'd be really surprised if if one of the other kind of frontline midfielders who, who's played a lot of football for Liverpool was to go because um I think the message from Klopp seems to be that he needs a bigger squad this season that, um, you know, take Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain would be a good example, I guess. You know, there was some speculation, I think, in the Sunday papers that he could be offloaded. And, you know, I think that was a bit of guesswork on on the back of Thiago coming in and thinking, well, there's there's too many bodies there. There's going to be a couple going out. But um, Liverpool were absolutely adamant. Uh, yesterday that um, that they will not entertain offers for Oxlade Chamberlain and and Klopp sees him as still key to his plans for this coming season and um, when you look at the schedule they face I, I think that's a very wise move I don't think I don't think you want to leave yourself short um, when when you look at the the way that this season is is panning out and and also that midfield area let's, let's not forget is is the one department of the team that Klopp frequently rotates so. Um, I still think that he'll there'll be enough football there to to keep those those kind of frontline midfielders happy, especially if as looks likely, especially after how well he played against Chelsea, we see Fabino play a fair bit of football at, at centre half this season. So Klopp wants numbers in his his midfield. Of course, the dif- difference with Genie Wijnaldum is his contract is 
is running out. So it, does that then look bold from Liverpool, Simon, or is it simply a move that you, you do if, you, if you've got the power of Liverpool and you are top of the league and you've got all these players and you know you feel like you're in control of the situation? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it is preemptive um, because, you know, it, it, for me, you know, I, th- I think at this stage, you know, Man Alden's contract's up at the end of June next year. I'd be surprised, um, certainly over the next few weeks, if there was a if there was a new contract signed. It's gone on for a long time now. Um, I I think that uh, you know the Liverpool. It's obviously quite clear. You know, Liverpool have got a new new status in in sort of European football now. I think this this signing has been beyond the club. You know, for. Um, you know, since 1990, really. I mean, in 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 the modern era, Liverpool haven't been able to attract a player of Thiago standing to the club, a player who's won everything that there is to win. You know, more or less, a player who, you know, will get into any any top European team. I think any any club would have taken him. Any team would have taken him, and he'd have gone and improved that team. Um, obviously, he's 29. Uh, uh, there's no sign that you know he's over the over the hill or anything like that. I mean, I've I've had a few <laughs> responses of people saying, you know, he's 29, he's finished. But you know, would the same people feel that way if Liverpool signed Kevin De Bruyne, who who was 29, who actually managed less games than Thiago over the last two or three seasons? Uh, I, I don't think that they would. I think they'd see it as a big, 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 big improvement for the for Liverpool's midfield. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you could you could expect this player to be, you know, to still be sort of really, really effective in the team until the age of 32, 33. I think David Silva's proven that he can do that, you know, over the last over the last couple of seasons and probably could have played on in the Premier League but wanted to go and try something else. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it just reflects that Liverpool are now, you know, they've obviously been European champions, they've been the Premier League champions. It's the, it's the sort of sign and... The, the, that happens when you start achieving things and you know Liverpool have been very bold and, and ambitious and I think it just shows you just shows you where Liverpool are at the moment I mean I think it's a it's a team and a club that, that most top players would would relish signing for this is the red agenda and uh, I'm Steve Hothersall, James Pierce and Simon Hughes as always talking through the big Liverpool stories right now we're offering listeners uh, to the pod the opportunity to try out the athletic for just £1 a month. You can read all the great writing on the Reds, including uh, James's recent article on why Klopp won't be signing a centre-back in this window. We'll talk more on that uh, later in the pod. Head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod and pay just £1 a month. Uh, Diogo Jota, um, I know we, we mentioned him briefly before. Th- this was a deal that did come out of the blue. Much of the talk centred around um, the Watford player, Ismail Assar, but all of a sudden Jota was was the name that was signed by the club. Now, once or twice, they've not been scared, James, have they, to to actually move away from the first choice. It was the same situation when, of course, they signed Simicast. They had a, a different option, which they bypassed and then went to Simicast, and they've done that with the Jota situation as well. Yeah, and, and you know, I think you can you can go go back beyond that with you know the the way that Liverpool tend to operate is they they draw up shortlists and um, with three or four names on and you know I think back to you know the Ben Chilwell was obviously the target before before Andy Andy Robertson and even way beyond that you think back to you know people like Mario Goetze and and Julian Brand before they went and signed Sadio Mane and, and Mo Salah so. Um, yeah, the, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say there's necessarily a like a strict pecking order they draw up. I think it's they draw up names based on you know what they've seen with their own eyes and what the data's telling them about players who 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 really tick all the boxes in terms of style, but also personality. And um, yeah, the Jota one you know, came out of nowhere really in the space of 24 hours. Um, you know, Ishmael Assar, you know, that that was the one we we knew that they'd had some contact with Watford over. Um, but they were very, you know, Michael Edwards, very uh, ruthless and decisive in terms of making that judgment call that the star deal just just wasn't really realistic. I think, you know, they were asking for 40 million as like a base fee with, you know, rising as high as 50, 50 million with add-ons. And um, they also wanted, you know, a, a fair chunk of that up front, which... Um, would have provided a bit of an issue for Liverpool, and I think they just felt that Jota, who you know, his his kind of calls on that shortlist was being 
championed a lot by Pep Linders, who you know clearly with his background in Portuguese football um, knew all about him and had also collected a number of glowing references on his on his character. And you know, Pep Linders was was pushing Jurgen Klopp that you know he he felt that that Jota was a a fantastic alternative rather than than a than a particularly a, a second choice if you like. And then I think. Ultimately, what helped as well was the fact that Wolves were able to be flexible on those payment terms because, you know, forty-one million to, to forty-five million—it's—it's it's hardly you know short change. But um, Wolves prepared to accept just under ten percent of that guaranteed figure in the next twelve months, which um, you know, considering the, the current financial situation, that was key to Liverpool getting the job done. And then, of course, with Kajana Hoover going the other way. Um, you know that that offsets most of the initial fee to Wolves as well. So um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited by Jota. I think um, as Simon said earlier, he just I, I just think he seems like a clock player. It does you know it, it, there are parallels I think with, with with when Sadio Mane came in and you know almost you know a bit of a a bit of a, a rough diamond if you like that maybe a few few um, things there to iron out. But um, you know I think at the age of 23 and what he's done at the top level the last couple of years, he's one that I, I fully expect Klopp to, to take to the next level. Yeah, another attacking option. J- James mentioned a, a number of names that will have to be used throughout the course of the season, side. But if you, if you look at the options now, if you're a, you're a Minamino, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Jota, um, what realistically are, are you thinking in terms of your involvement in game time? For example, if, you, if, you, if you're Jota, how much would you have played last season? I, th- I mean, I think this season's obviously going to be very different in the sense that, you know, the managers have spoken quite a lot about the schedules of the games. Um, you know, Liverpool are going to be playing more games in a sort of shorter space of time. So I think Jürgen Klopp will have obviously thought about that. I mean, it, I know he likes to keep the same team largely, but I, I think that it's, it's, it's inevitable that there's going to be a little bit more change I mean, he changes the midfield a lot anyway, but but the, the forward line is is largely quite quite settled. I mean, the endurance and and the sort of the the level of robustness, you know, of those front three players has been incredible over the, you know, several years now. But um, I mean, I, I I can see Minamino pushing uh, Firmino on occasion. I mean, he 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 obviously came on up front yesterday uh, against Chelsea as well. I, th- I think he'll get more game time in that position. And Jota, you know, could play either side of the the, the front three really. Because um, I mean, that's one people forget. Yeah, and Klopp sort of moved Mane around. He moved Salah around. You know, I think both players played on the opposite wings at previous clubs mainly. Um, Klopp sort of, you know, I don't want to say reinvented them because they, they obviously just developed them really into, into slightly different, more rounded players. So, yeah, I think Jota can put pressure on the all of the front three, um, particularly in the wide areas. But the midfield, it'll change a lot anyway. It always does. I mean, the amount of effort and energy that you need to play for Liverpool is very high. So... I can understand why they've signed another midfielder based on the facts. Let's not forget as well, you know, that they've lost Adam Lallana, who's, you know, an influential player behind the scenes. Um, but the, the competition's going to be incredible, isn't it? I mean, you know, I, th- I think uh, I think that there's enough room for, for all of them at this time. But, I mean, I suspect that, you know, maybe a year from now that there'll be one or two maybe who've drifted away a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I think you need numbers in that, that, that central area because... You know the challenge of, of of playing for Liverpool. You know, in all the competitions uh, across. You know, this what, what is going to be a unique football season. I think uh, it, it's it's a necessity to have have the numbers there. This is the Red Agenda. It's brought to you by Manscaped, the expert in men's below-the-belt grooming. So if you want to look after your uh, family jewels, uh, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools. Uh, Manscaped has just launched in the UK. Uh, Apparently, we've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped life-changing products. A third-generation trimmer featuring a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents and water-resistant technology, so you can do it all in the shower got a special offer right now if you're listening to the podcast get 20% off and free shipping if you use the code EPL20 at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20 uh, happy shaving out there right clear demonstration uh, from the Chelsea Liverpool game that 
I think this this red squad are as hungry as ever for success. You do look at the first few performances, don't you, James, in the season? You're trying to gauge where they're at mentally, and there's absolutely zero signs that they've altered ambition-wise or level or intensity-wise, which is really encouraging to see. Yeah, and that, that win at Chelsea just felt like a um, a big step forward, didn't it? Because there were a lot of questions asked about Liverpool after the unconvincing opening weekend win over Leeds when, you know, defensively, you know, there was there was so much wrong and you know, although although going forward Liverpool were were great to watch at times, there was no real sense of control. And I think that was the the massive positive for me from Sunday that you know, almost from the start of that game, I, I never really doubted that Liverpool were going to win. And despite the fact that, you know, I know they didn't create much in the first 45 minutes, but I just thought, God, God the, the golf in quality here is, is unbelievable. Especially in that midfield area where Liverpool just got all over Chelsea um, and hounded them out. And I just felt that Liverpool were in the process of grinding them down. And yeah, the, you know, the red card just before half time gives them gives them a big a big helping hand but um I, I think even 11 v 11 Liverpool win that game comfortably um just you know, I, I just thought it was a team that functioned so well in in all departments and I just think that's a, a real body blow as well for Liverpool's rivals because you know you rewind a week and you know scraping past leads you know no real exciting summer business done and people are probably thinking you know maybe there's a few chinks in the armor here and that and that Liverpool can be got at this season and is the hunger and desire quite at the same level um maybe a bit of complacency creeping in and then you know I think that hope has been whipped away really by um the business done in midweek and then that performance because let's not forget that Chelsea have been talked about as the team most likely to try and get close to Liverpool and City this season but you know I didn't even think they tried to even think about going toe-to-toe with Liverpool they were they were set up so defensively which I think says a lot about the fear factor that teams now feel before they they go into battle against Liverpool, and um, you know, the, you know, I know, I know Lampard obviously you know, bizarrely having a few complaints about the red card, which um, not quite sure what that was all about, um, but you know that that was there was a there was a serious gulf between those two teams, which. Um, you know, bodes very, very well for Liverpool going forward. Absolutely spot on. I mean, there is this historic rivalry between the sides, but what, 33 points was the gap between Liverpool and Chelsea at the end of last season. And I think you could see Frank Lampard's really riled by that, that golf as well. He hates talking about this fixture. I find that absolutely fascinating, side. It's such a shame, isn't it, to see Frank getting so wound up by Liverpool after having, you know, let's let's be honest, you know, that Chelsea had... You know, I know Liverpool were an inconvenience for Chelsea for a, a long time and, and, and did get some great results over them. But you, nine times out of ten, you would have expected Chelsea to get a result against Liverpool, you know, in, in that period after Bramovich took over and he was the mainstay in that midfield. They they went into most games favourites. and But I, I can honestly say, I, mean, I, know, I know Liverpool sort of gave some defensive performances against Chelsea in that period, you know, across two legs. But I can't think of a league game where... Liverpool set up at home as defensively as as Chelsea did, just hoping beyond hope that they might be able to snatch a victory. I just thought, you know, even with the, even with the sending off, I thought that Liverpool's dominance and and patience as well would would end up telling in, in the end of that game. I mean, it, clearly they they really struggled the second half. Uh, Chelsea and Liverpool were just toying with them, but. Um, it's 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 true. I mean, there's been a bit a big big sort of expectation on Chelsea this season to go go and have a you know a go at the title this year. But I just think when you you, you sign so many players in a short space of time and you, you're trying to bed them in at different stages as well, it, it becomes very difficult to think. And it's almost like all the you know some of the good work that Chelsea did last season because I, th- I think getting into the Champions League was it was an achievement based on the. The, the context around you know the the the, the signings that they could, obviously they couldn't go into the transfer market, but it seems like a lot of that work sort of just you know being thrown away a little bit you know with, with um, Mason Mount you know just totally being played out of position yesterday and wasn't able to affect the game you know you, you wonder what players like Billy Gilmore who was brilliant I thought in the FA Cup uh, against Liverpool when Chelsea won at Stamford Bridge and had a real go at Liverpool. 
Um, you know, you wonder where the future lies for him. I know he was injured against Liverpool on Sunday, but, you know, where's he going to get his game time? So it's going to be interesting to see. There's a lot of pressure on, on Frank Lampard, I think, and you, you can almost see that. He's not sort of particularly comfortable speaking about expectations at the moment. He, he's got this sort of passive-aggressive thing going on, and it's quite clear that Jurgen Klopp has, uh, has got up his nose a bit as well. Cause mm. It did make me laugh Klopp's comments before the... Uh, before the game at, at the weekend where he, he basically admitted that I, I don't know the bloke and I don't plan to get to know him essentially if you actually <laughs> listen to listen to what he said so there's clear a bit, bit, bit of animosity there which um, which is good I think you know football needs a bit of rivalry like that um, you know Frank Lampard I don't think sort of uh, has has any any strong positive feelings for Liverpool although I know I know obviously he respects the job the Klopp's done and the team that he's built but he seems to me to be diametrically opposite to what Liverpool's all about I mean yeah. he's, he's going to be under pressure I think to to deliver better results than last season under quite challenging circumstances I think yeah you, you can see he's notably agitated by the whole thing Frank Lampard I think in Timo Werner he's, he's got a player that 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 is someone I think that'll grow more and more into the Premier League you, you can see all the signs there Si yeah I mean it's a few some of my mates were texting me as the game was going on and, and saying the opposite really saying you know really yeah yeah I mean they were a bit like you know I can't, can't really see what he does but I actually think you can understand why Liverpool wanted to sign him you know I think his, his movement is clever I think he's obviously a, you know a worker I, I, you can see why Jurgen Klopp wanted to sign him mm. um, whether he fits into sort of the Chelsea way of playing I'm, I'm not as well as, as, as seamlessly I'm not quite sure about that um, I mean as I say it's, it's, it's a Chelsea team that's trying to develop it it tried to develop an identity last season and I think was quite successful in doing that and is now going to have to develop another new identity with, with a different group of players so yeah, there's a lot to do there, I think, and it, it's very difficult when you know all five or six players who are all going through the same process are all really going to have to hit the ground running to, to to give that positive feeling around the club. So, I think he'll you know he'll prove to be a good sign and winner. But you know, let's not forget. I mean, we haven't really mentioned it. I'm sure we will mention it shortly. But I thought Fabinho did a great job against him. Mm. You know, the first time. Um, he took past him, and I thought, "Oh God, you know, it could be could be a tough tough game this." But he, he seems to gain a lot of confidence from the the second time when I tried to do him, and he he just was having none of it, wasn't he, Fabinho? So, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to watch him from afar. I think because. I, I, I think he would have been a good signing for Liverpool but it just shows you sort of the open-mindedness at Liverpool that, that, that obviously Werner would have been a player who I think obviously James mentioned it earlier that Liverpool would have had to spend a lot more money to get straight you know to sign in terms of you know, the, the, the deal that he would have had to broker and pay you know up front so I can understand why Liverpool didn't do that but it shows you that Liverpool you know they've got you know sort of the open-minded about players abilities and there's always alternatives out there so yeah we we, we will see how he how he develops in a, in a, in a Chelsea team that's, that's changing all the time let's go to Fabinho then James is he is he the fourth choice centre half now in Klopp's mind I know we've been talking recently about bringing in another designated centre half but is it is it Fabinho now there's no chance of anyone else coming in well barring a barring a change of heart yeah that's that's my information I think um, you know of course whether there was a you know to get a a bad injury that suddenly suddenly changed things is 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 still a, a, a possibility but yeah that's the that's the club stance as we understand it currently that um that, that there won't be another centre half coming in um because Klopp feels that with his with wealth of midfield options now he can he can use Fabino as a as a as a fourth choice centre back and he's also got you know I think as we've talked about previously huge hopes for for Billy Cometio the the young French teenager who he effectively regards as as fifth choice and um yeah, I think you know, probably not not ideal. I don't think Klopp would have envisaged using Fabino at centre half in the second Premier League game of the season. But with Gomez had a very minor knock that they left him out as a precaution, and Matip got a calf problem, which I think is going to keep him out for for a few weeks. So it meant Fabino was was chucked in, and uh, yeah, it was it was funny looking at the the response on social media when that team sheet dropped and all the feelings of impending doom at the prospect of Timo Werner flying at Fabino um, compared to the, uh, the, the, the eulogizing about Fabino a couple of hours later, because um, 
you know, it's not very often a player scores twice away at Chelsea to win you the game, and he doesn't get the man of the match award. But you know, for me, Fabinho was a, was a worthy winner of the man of the match. I thought he was he was absolutely immense, and you know, it wasn't a big surprise. You know, I remember watching him play there. You know, he played there, of course, against Bayern Munich at home in the Champions League, and and kept Lewandowski quiet that that night. Um, so it's you know, the, the skill set is very similar, isn't it? But if you're playing, if you're a holding midfielder or you're a, a centre half, I think especially in a team like Liverpool where you you get so much of the ball, I think I think Klopp sees it as a as a massive plus that you're almost playing with an extra midfielder you know, because he is so comfortable in the ball in, on the ball and, and and he's also so good in those one v one battles as we as we saw with Werner I think you know as I said I think Werner got the better of him in the first couple of minutes and and I think that was the the last time he he did so because um you know, he was he barely put a foot wrong after that for Bino so um personally I I still think it's a bit of a gamble I think I, I would have liked to have seen another centre-half come in just because I think, you know, the fact that Matip is injured again just reinforces the fact that he, he does miss, you know, far too much football. You know, and I think to, to really rely on him over the, the course of a, of a gruelling, intense Premier League season. But, um, yeah, there shouldn't be any concerns about Fabinho playing there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think when you when you think Lovren played what fifteen times last season, so um, you know I think Fabino is going to get a, a fair bit of experience playing playing alongside Van Dyke. Simon, does it does the depth stack up mm. for you? James just mentioned Joel Matip. I mean, it, it, he's just struggled for consistency over what four years, hasn't he? And, and even Joe Gomez, really, you forget how long he's been at the club. It's quite a long time, and he's struggled for long, consistent periods. Actually, if I'm Billy Cometio, I'm, I'm actually thinking I'm probably going to see first-team action this season. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to know what Fabinho thinks of it, because most players who consider themselves midfielders don't really like it when they're told, you know what, we're going to play at centre-half today. Um but yeah, I mean, he didn't show any signs of that at all, did he? Um, I mean, I, I'm just sort of thinking again about the, the context of of what Liverpool are likely to face, really. I mean, it never really feels like Liverpool in any of the games. I mean, obviously Liverpool are a very talented team and even before lockdown, teams would rarely try and go toe-to-toe with Liverpool. But as I've said before, I just repeat myself, but I feel it like teams now are sort of really taking conservative approaches against Liverpool. So I do wonder, you know, whether that is part of Klopp's thinking with the centre-half in that the, the Fabinho obviously is very, he's good on the ball. He's obviously, his strength is that sort of one-to-one hoovering up the play in midfield. But he's, he's his passing range is excellent as well. I mean, that little sort of dinked pass, which he which he sort of mastered last season, you know, over the top of the defence and letting Salah Omane run onto it. I think he... He's fantastic passer of the ball, and I wonder whether that's in his thinking that, you know, James mentioned it then that that Liverpool are going to have an awful lot of possession against these teams, which hasn't always suited Liverpool in the past. So the more players who can pass the ball, the more players who are comfortable on the ball, it might suit Liverpool this season. You know, bearing in mind what what they're facing, ideally you, you're going to want a, you know, a, a ball playing natural centre half, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, there is a risk attached to it because I agree. I think Matip, as much as sort of I like him as a player, I think he was absolutely outstanding for Liverpool. You know, when he won the Champions League, he was. I would say his performances were were, were just as influential as Virgil Van Dijk at certain moments in, in certain games on that run. He's just his injury record just being bad and and. Joe Gomez, a great, you know, a really, really still, still a young player, but could do with a season where he doesn't get injured. So it does lead it towards the conclusion that 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 there are going to be times this season where Fabinho is going to have to play there and Cometio is going to have to play there. But I, th- I think Cometio will play. You know, some of the cup games. I'd be surprised if he didn't play against uh, Lincoln in the cup later on this week, and then, and then some of the games perhaps at home where again the expectation will be on. Liverpool not to be defending so much to, to give him you know a, a, a bit of a to ease him into the team but he's still such a young player it'd be a big call by Jurgen Klopp to play him regularly because there's only really been Trent who he's sort of thrown in and left there you know since, since he's become Liverpool's manager that's not a criticism it's just it's just a reality so I, I would think he'd, he'd sort of always go with more experience particularly in that position Right, let's move from defence to attack. We gave Mo Salah an awful lot of love last week after his display against Leeds. It's only right that we do the same with 
Sadio Mane um, on the pod. I always sort of feel, James, that when you know one of them excels, the other one then takes the mantle the next week. <laughs> Mane on the money, definitely so at Stamford Bridge. Hunger with his runs, ambition to score goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think they do. I think they do help bring out the best in each other. I think there is a you know similar in a way with 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 Robertson and Alexander Arnold with. You know, their little uh, friendly battle over assists. I think I think I think Mane and Salah. You know, you, they both got that that fire in their bellies, haven't they? And I'm sure, I'm sure a little bit of that was was, was Sadio Mane looking at how well Mo Salah performed last week. And you know, I thought he was under par, Mane against Leeds. But um, yeah, what a response! Both special goals in in different ways. You know, the 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 quality of the you know the interplay and the movement for the first one was sensational. Really, when you know. It's, I think it was Alonso who was caught napping by the the one-two between Firmino and and Salah, and um, you know, lovely ball in from Firmino, and the you know the movement from from Mane made it. He made, you know, he made a difficult header look ridiculously easy um, with, with the way that he directed it into that far corner, and then. You know, I probably loved the second one even more actually, just because he you know, he gave the ball away with a a pretty wayward uh, pass down the line, and you could see he was fuming with himself. He did like a little skip of frustration, and then set off um, tearing after it to try and make amends. And then um, yeah, I think as as soon as Kepper kind of dallied on the ball, you thought he's in all sorts of trouble here, and Mane was all over him, intercepted it, and and punished the error. And you know, of course a lot of the spotlight will fall on Kepa because it was another disastrous afternoon for him and um you know it's you know, it's hard to believe really when you look at the mistakes he's made over an extended period that he is the world's most expensive goalkeeper but um yeah that's that doesn't take anything away from the you know not just the quality but the sheer hunger and desire of Sadio Mane you know he's he's absolutely relentless i know when um, myself and Tom Warville from the Athletic did a, a joint piece towards the back end of the last season on the front three, and how they they've kind of their roles have evolved at Liverpool as the, the style of the team has changed. And one of the things that struck me about Mane was you know, his def- defensive stats are, are ridiculous. You know, for someone who you probably think of Sadio Mane is you know what what he does to you know the the tricks and the flicks and the skipping past defenders and, and making a difference in the final third. You know, he's his work rate is is just astonishing, and uh, I think he's a he's a real rarity, Sadio Mane. Not very often you get, you know, all of those characteristics combined. But yeah, it was a special performance for him. Yeah, he's one of the great left-sided attackers, isn't he? I don't know whether you heard Jamie Carragher likes to make a big headline statement, didn't he? He said Mane could be regarded as a better player than John Barnes by the time he leaves the club. Uh, well, John played over 400 times for the Reds, but um, I think we get the idea, don't we, Si, with what he's getting out there? Well, it's 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 quite a thing to say because, I mean, I know, you know, we've spoken to Carragher about John Barnes before and, he, you know, he, he, he was coming into the team at Liverpool just at the back end of John Barnes's career when he was, you know, 35, 36. And I remember Cara telling me that in terms of somebody who strikes the ball uh, and, and passes the ball, he said he's never seen anyone anyone better, really. So I know how, you know, I know obviously everybody sort of loves John Barnes, but I know how highly Cara respects John Barnes. But, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, the impact that he's had at Liverpool, Mane, I think, you know, same for Salah, you know, that they, they will go down, you know, in history as amongst, you know, the many great players that have played for Liverpool. I mean, I haven't seen a player like Mane um, in my time watching Liverpool at all. I think he's he's just got everything that you want in a striker. I just I just love watching him play. I love his aggression. I love his anger. You know, we the goal the goal against the second goal against Chelsea. You know, chasing after the mistake just just summed summed him up really. You know, I don't think anybody's safe when when Mane's lurking around. You know, he's 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 just a really really top player. You know, and. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I know it's a big, big call to make, but you, you look at his goals record and the number of important goals that he's made. I mean, it, he scores. I mean, I, I actually think you know, you, you think back about the the evolution of this Klopp team. He, he was, I agree with Callum. Maybe I'm just repeating what he said, but he was certainly the first big signing that he made, and that had to work really. And if he, if it didn't work, he sort of. You know, you wonder where Liverpool might be now, but he, you know, from the very first moments on a pitch against Arsenal, the goal he scored. I remember James's famous tweets about 
So Sadio Mane climbing on Jurgen Klopp's back. It's like, you know, the, one, of the, one of the great great tweets, wasn't it, James? <laughs> Thank you, Simon. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, brilliant player. Uh, he, he's, he's irreplaceable, I think, Sadio Mane. I don't think there's there's another player in, in world football at the moment who, who, is, who is like him. Uh, this Red Agenda is brought to you by Hims. If you haven't heard of them, they're basically your best mate when it comes to those tricky men's health problems. Uh, balding is an awkward topic for men. Uh, a lot of people starting to lose their hair before they hit 40. Best way to take control of hair loss, do something about it while you still have some. Hims was created uh, to make it easier for guys to seek care, especially guys who avoid seeing their doctor in person for those awkward health issues and conversations. Not everyone wants to have a personal uh, conversation face-to-face with a doctor, but Hims connects you to real doctors online. So it's going to save you hours, completely confidential and discreet. Get a proper consultation that give you sound advice on what you can do to help with your hair before it's too late. Couldn't be easier to book your free consultation. Head to forhims.co.uk forward slash athletic. That's forhims.co.uk co.uk forward slash athletic. Let's look to the week ahead on the red agenda. There is, of course, um, a League Cup fair against uh, Lincoln. I thought, I thought the League Cup was interesting last season. Of course, the away win at MK Dons. You had that 5-5 with Arsenal and the penalties. And then you have the defeat... Although the scoreline didn't look great, I don't think the performance was that bad against Villa. Um, and of course, that was the the academy team with the first team playing in Doha at the time. So there's that to come. And then, of course, there's a game with Arsenal as well, James. So again, it's, it's a busy few days for Liverpool to get their head around. Um, what sort of players involved for the Lincoln game? Uh, yeah, I think it'll, <laughs> it goes without saying that there'll be a whole host of, of changes. I think... Um, you know, I think I don't. I don't see Jurgen Klopp changing his approach to the the, the, the domestic cups this season. I think, if anything, the way that the the, the schedule is, he'll, he'll go even further the other way in terms of seeing it as an opportunity to to rest frontline players. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think, I think you know, the, the, the the positive thing for him at the moment is certainly until the squad is trimmed further with 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 some more outgoings before the window shuts, he has got. You know a huge amount of options. You know, you, there's a there's a lot of players there who would need a game. You'd imagine that Adrian would would certainly uh, play in goal, and then you know you're looking at kind of Nico Williams, and I'm sure Simicus or will, uh, will will play as well at, at left back. Um, as we as we said before, you know, hopefully Billy Cometia will be fit. Could well be his senior debut at, at centre half. You know, Curtis Jones, you know, Arigi. Uh, James Milner, I'm sure, will be in in this in centre and midfield, and then people like you know Harvey Elliott, who you know hasn't hasn't made the the, the Premier League squad for the opening two games. So he, I'm sure he'll see this as a as a big chance for him to to really stake a claim. And you know, of course, someone like Minamino may even be a a debut for Diogo Jota as well. So um, so yeah, it's uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there were 11 changes for this one because I think. You know, clearly, the, the the in the bigger picture, Klopp will have one eye on the that visit of Arsenal uh, next Monday night. That you know that Liverpool have had issues with Arsenal in the last few meetings. You know, with Arsenal, have, 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 you know, Arteta's done a job on them. Really, I thought both in the Community Shield and and at the uh, the Emirates towards the back end of last season in terms of being very good at, at, at thwarting Liverpool. And you know it's going to be. I think someone like Thiago could have a, a massive role to play against Arsenal. Yeah, Mikel Arteta certainly seemed to have hit on something, doesn't he, managerially? There. I mean, clearly one of the big things for him was to get Aubameyang to sign an extension. He's done that. Willian's arrived. Cedric Suarez. Is he building something, Simon? Clearly, you know, there's been a development there, and he's certainly got them more organised. I think defensively, they, they, they look like they know what they're doing um, the, the only thing I, I would guard against a little bit is he's obviously doing that with the same players that have sort of let Arsenal down I think for over a number of years um, roughly anyway and I remember when Unai Emery came in to Arsenal they, he actually started off really well you know they were sort of going toe to toe with Liverpool you know unbeaten for a long time and then obviously came to Anfield and got thrashed 
clearly he's, he's worked on the mentality of the players and, and, and managed to get them to buy into a sort of a more defensive style of football which is not what you'd necessarily associate with Arsenal I mean when I say defensive you know obviously against Liverpool they've been, they've been very defensive and, and used the counter attack well and got he managed to exploit the the, the pace of of Aubameyang, who I think is 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 clearly a top top player. Um, I just think you know the, the the first game when Liverpool lost to them at the Emirates, it's still you need the context around the the discussion of Liverpool had just won the league, and I think the, the first twenty five minutes, I thought, God, this is going to be a landslide for Liverpool, and he was just too casual. I think they, they sort of believed in their own hype a little bit. Virgil Van Dijk and Becker making mistakes, which you just don't associate. So they'll be desperate to put that right. I think, you know, the the things that have, have sort of... Uh, the few sort of occasions that haven't quite gone to plan for Liverpool over the last few months have involved Arsenal. I'd, I'd imagine they'd just be desperate to put that right. So... Um, if Liverpool perform to the level that, they, that they're able to, I mean, I'd, I'd expect Liverpool to win that game, but I think it'll be tougher than it has been over the last sort of five or six years because whenever Arsenal have come to Anfield, other than in the League Cup last season, you know they've been they've been very they've been very very poor, and Liverpool have beaten them convincingly each time. I think it'll be a different task this time, but I still think with with the you know the the front two desperate to sort of beat each other at Liverpool it seems you know it's going to be, be very hard for Arsenal I think always a fixture that grabs the imagination let's just finish on uh, a stat that jumped out to me Jed Ray the club's statistician put this um, on his social media so he was talking about Jurgen Klopp reaching uh, 400 league points which it's a rather random number but I think if you if you look at the list he compiled in terms of uh, how quickly they've done it uh, different managers it, it sort of shows the juggernaut that Jurgen's got at Liverpool so it's taken him 184 games to get to 400 points uh, Kenny Dalglish took 197 Bob Paisley 206 and the list goes on um, what does it say James? <laughs> well, I, I think <laughs> quite it, obviously yeah yeah, yeah. It, it just provides context doesn't it into what an, an unbelievable unbelievable job he, he's done when you yeah, when you when you look at the fact he's on on top of that that list with with Dogleash, Paisley, Benitez, and and Shankly uh, underneath, um, you know what? You know, it's just it's just been on a level that I don't think we we've never seen before, have we? No 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 Liverpool team has ever has ever produced seasons like this, and that that's why you know it it does make me laugh sometimes when people pick holes in performances that, you know, when Liverpool have won games and, you know, even I was listening to a phone in at the weekend and people were saying that, you know, last season Liverpool didn't, didn't play particularly great football to watch and all the rest of it. And you're like, you know, just take a step back. You know, you speak to any of those players who were part of the, the teams that, that won trophies regularly in the eighties, the, the idea that Liverpool like sparkled week in, week out, it was just non nonsensical. Um, and, you know, to, to follow up 97 points, then to get nine, 99 you know and and now you know you look at them now and you think you know this i think this is the strongest squad I, you know, a liverpool liverpool have ever had certainly in my lifetime i can when you look at that bench yesterday and even some of the players who weren't even in part of the 18 so um yeah fewest games ever to get to 400 league points and uh you know i think he'll be i think he'll be getting to 500 league points well ahead of any of those other names as well Smashing those records all over the park. Uh, James, Sam, thank you very much indeed. And your next Red Agenda podcast will come off the back of that uh, Liverpool-Arsenal game. Of course, we'll look back on that one and the Lincoln game in the League Cup. Thanks for your company. Check out all the great writing from the lads on The Athletic and we'll see you on the Red Agenda in a week. (laughs) 